Our families tell stories. Are they stories that look like the beginning of that video? Fall short in failure and frustration. Do our dreams end up forgotten in the trash? Or do our families tell stories of love that lift our homes, our children, and the next generation to heights, to futures that we could not have wildly imagined? When President John F. Kennedy gave this speech you just heard, rocketing into outer space seemed out of reach, seemed impossible. Not because we had never wondered what was beyond the blue sky and the clouds above, but because daring to do so would cost us. It would cost us precious resources, time, and lives in a moment when fear and hatred battled love and hope for position in the hearts of people. That sounds a little too familiar to today. Our families, our schools, our homes, our marriages, our children. Every day, wake up battling in a battle between fear and hatred and love and hope. And at Faith Promise, who will prevail? What will prevail? I believe in this moment, right now, that love and hope can prevail at the, in families at Faith Promise. It can happen right now, church. We can set it up. Over the next few weeks, we're going to start an out-of-this-world conversation about families. Welcome to Launchpad. My name is Micah. You guys excited to be at church this weekend? Let's loosen up. Let's loosen up. It's about to happen. I believe families are going to be tooled to ignite and transform the next generation for the kingdom of God. Because we're talking about families. We are family Oh, that sounded amazing. Did you hear that? I feel a calling on my life just then. Infuse, here I come. Talking about family. And I believe in the next few weeks that family is going to get a new love, a new language, a new legacy, and new leadership. So we can lift our children up and stop waiting on our schools to do it. We can lift our children, the next generation up, stop waiting for culture and social media to do it. And our families are going to get serious about transforming our culture, changing our state, our city, our country. It can happen right now, church. But families can be crazy. They can be crazy. I have a child. Her name is Scarlett. She's a year old. And my wife, that's my family right now. We bathe my child in the sink from time to time. She's pooped in my sink. My spoons go in my sink. By the transit of poverty, my mouth has touched her poop. <laughs> Families, they're crazy. We're individually sinful creatures. Put us together with emotions. We're like Ikea before the desk is put together. How many pieces could one piece of furniture come in? <laughs> Families are crazy. But like every great family is like a great space program. My family has a great space program. My father, he's Houston. What do you say when you talk to Houston? Houston, we have a... Houston didn't like problems. My father's philosophy on parenting is first, spank. 
Second, spank. And third, murder. He had four kids. Timmy. Timmy didn't make it. My father's Houston. And in Florida, we have Launch Command. That's my mom. Astronauts, are you ago? Lunch ago? Fuel ago? Socks ago? And every space program has space monkeys. Myself, my brother Zach, my sister Faith. We were monkeys. That's all I can say. I don't know I don't, I don't, I their animal best describes what we were. My mom, like I said, there was a gap of grace. She wasn't spanked first. She wanted to talk and love. And Zach and I knew we could push her, keep doing things, keep being loud, keep disobeying until this one moment. We knew when we pushed mom too far when she'd say, just, just do one more thing. Just do one more thing. I want to spank you. Back up, Zach. Back up, Zach. Back up, Zach. We knew. Families are crazy. We could all tell stories about our crazy family, but still, family came first. From the beginning to the garden, Adam and Eve, to your very front door, family comes first. Before social media and friends comes family. Before politics and parties comes family. Before corporations and country comes family. Before bank accounts and credit cards comes family. When you came into this world, the people standing around you were family. And when you leave this world, most likely the people standing around will be family. It is God's desire for the family to be first. It's clear in Scripture. So if that's true, then family is the launch pad. Family's the launch pad. And some of us got a better launch than others. Some of us in here grew up in a home with loving parents, loving guardians that hugged and loved and kissed us, that introduced us to God and prayed over us. If that is you in the room, thank your lucky stars. If that is you in the room and your family's still around, find them today. Kiss them, hug them, love them, bring them to lunch. If they're not here, text them, FaceTime them. Because the more I see, that's just not normal. I thought my life was normal. I thought a dad hugging and loving and kissing me and telling me that I could be anything that I wanted to be was normal. I thought having dinner with my family, laughing and playing together, I thought it was normal. God's desire is for the family to be a firm foundation. Some of us got a great launch. And some of us, that's just not our story. Some of us had a rough or catastrophic launch, if we got off the ground at all. Fighting atmospheric pressure of doubt, shame, and loneliness. Fighting off G-forces of divorce, abandonment, abuse, isolation, misunderstanding. There are people that don't know the real true love of an adult or a parent. Don't have a human relationship that's not contractual. That's you do this and I'll do that, but it's true love. If that's your story, if that's true of you, let me tell you. Welcome home. Welcome home. Let Faith Promise be your family. We are here for you. Let us know that you're here. Mark that on the communication card if you feel comfortable. If this is your first time, or grab a first-time guest box as a gift. Let us know that you're here. We all need the love of a family. We all need the love of a family. 
We elevate those around us here at Faith Promise. So if it's your first weekend, it's your 50th weekend, launch off our shoulders and fuel up for your week, starting right now, families. Right now. Igniting and transforming the next generation is exactly what Moses wanted to do in Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy if you want to jump there on your phones or in your Bible. It will be on the screen, so don't worry about it if you don't have any of those things. It will be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. For 400 years in Egypt, the Israelites were enslaved. Could you imagine 400 years? Could you imagine everyone that you'd ever known or knew about were slaves? The Israelites didn't have a friend. The only people that they knew that were free were myths and legends at this point. It had been 400 years, generation of generation of slavery. There are so many families in our communities today that as far back as they can see in their family tree is abuse, divorce, neglect, addiction. You feel trapped in slavery. Your family doesn't know what to do or where to go. Moses comes along with the power of God. They escape slavery in Egypt. And now they are wandering in the desert for 40 years. They just doesn't seem to win. Sometimes our families don't feel like they can win. Now we're at Faith Promise. We're saved, Michael. We're in group. And I don't, we don't know what to do. Now we're wandering. We don't know our next step. Moses gives the Hebrew family is the next step. When he's leaving, after 40 years wandering in the desert, Moses knows it's time to transfer leadership. And Moses tells the people of Israel something very important. Moses knows this is the last thing he's going to tell them before he leaves. So I believe he chose his words carefully. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Families, this is when we come in. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters, families. Shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, families. When you walk by the way, when you lie down at night, and when you rise up. This passage is now known as the Shema. The cornerstone tenet of our Christian faith. Talk about a launch pad. How many of us knew the verse? We could say it ourselves. Love the Lord your God with all we have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Moses is setting us up. He's making it very clear that loving God is either all in or not. No indecision. No division. No half-heartedness. We either love God with all that we have or we don't. So my question for you families is, do we love God with all we have? Because it is God's desire for the family, not Pastor Chris, not FP students, not FP kids, but for the family to teach this love for God. That is God's desire. So let me ask you, does your family love God with all that you have? Sounds hard, but it's a pretty easy question if you really think about it. If you really look inside, if you really look at your calendar, your journal entries, an audio recording of your conversations with your family, do you love God with all that you have? Because it is the most important thing. You're going to hear this, and it's going to sound weird. You ready? Listen, if you're listening, say I am. It's more important than college, careers, or comfort. Loving God is more important than if your kid gets on a traveling baseball team. Loving God is more important than getting good grades. Loving God is more important than likes on Instagram. Loving God is the most important thing. Period, families. Loving God is it. Loving God. Let's, let's clap. 
And if that's not true, your family, we can change it today. This is an encouragement. This isn't punitive. This is for me in my house. This is for you and your, this is for our families to reset right now and say, we're going to love God with all we have. Micah, that's OT, bro. That's Old Testament. Moses is crazy. He wore a dress. He slept on the sand. This is America. This is the Trump presidency. This is a fast-paced Christian lifestyle. God only gets a little piece. I got stuff to do. I got to get my kid in the right school, on the right team, so he can go to college and be a success. Because too many church families believe success has nothing to do with loving God. Success has all to do with a bank account and not what's in our heart. Church, let's wake up. Families, we must wake up. Because God's view of success, Moses' view, view of success, was loving God with all that you have. Every ounce of your being. Have stuff. Be successful. Make that money. Give it to Faith Promise. <laughs> we'll take it. Be successful. But if it doesn't begin with loving God, we've missed it. That's Old Testament, Mike. It just doesn't fit. Well, let's see what Jesus says. We're going to listen to Jesus. Ooh, didn't know we're going to bring Jesus into this. I was cool with Moses, but Jesus, I'm going to have to listen to. Matthew, New Testament, a, a Pharisee, basically a Bible professional. The first five books of the Old Testament, he had them memorized by heart. He asked Jesus, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Does that sound familiar? Or exactly what Moses said. Jesus is saying loving God is the most important thing. Interesting thing to note, the guy asking Jesus this question, the answer was probably dangling in front of him. Reason why. If we continue in Deuteronomy, Moses, after telling the Hebrew families the most important thing is loving God, he says this. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. There are two schools of thought when Moses say this. Figuratively. You should be able to see from Neil and Staten on my head and on my hand that I love God. Our family loves God. You should be able to see it from a mile away. And there's another school that says it's literal. That we should actually put a sign on our hand and hang the verse, love God with all we have, from our frontals. And this Pharisee did that exact thing. He's hanging it from his clothes. Too many families in the church are hanging Jesus on our clothes and not on our words and on our hearts. Too many church families are wearing real love t-shirts and wearing Jesus as a brand and not living Jesus. This world doesn't need a new brand. This world needs families that love God with all they have. We don't need another brand. You have a cool Jesus shirt? Cool shirt, muchacho? You got a killer tattoo that says cross equals heart? Cool ink, bruh. You got a sweet coffee mug you got on Etsy that says fish, cloud emoji, smiley face. You got something cool that holds your liquids. Bromigo. <laughs> Loving God isn't a brand. It's not stuff. It is actionable. It is a world seeing our families differently. World seeing families that love others unconditionally. That is what we're looking for. That is what God is looking for. Because if we love God... We must love like him. When I was younger, I wanted to be like my dad. 
Now I don't know why. <laughs> when I was younger, my dad's Pastor Chris, for if you don't know. And one of the things I loved about my dad, he had giant hands. Big hands. And I don't know if it was a sign of manliness or strength, but I wanted to have big hands too when I got older. He would take road trips, and I would see his big hand on the truck shifter, and I'd say, hey, Dad, can I see your rings? He'd hand me his rings, and I'd be putting them on, and I would just be hoping, God, one day, let me, let me be able to fill these rings out. I could almost put two of my fingers in the holes of the rings. They're just massive. And I just thought, gosh, I want to have big hands. Well, today, unfortunately, I, I don't have the hands like my dad. They're just not as big. But what I do have are his fingerprints all over me. What I do have is a, a man that loved God and taught me how to love God. If we love God, you can clap. Parents. If you have young children or kids at all, you, may, you may need to ask yourself, what do you want them to say of you? That they were cool? They knew the right hashtags? They bought me stuff? Or did they love God and taught me how to love God? I tell you right now, my dad's not cool. He never was. He's finally transitioned to this decade's fashion. Still can at times look like he was dressed in the dark. My dad wore Sam's jeans. Do you know what Sam's jeans are? Sam's is a giant store that you buy Cheeto puffs by the 15 gallon. This is where my father bought his pants. And if you find yourself at Home Depot on Saturday afternoon, you may see Pastor Chris in his, je in his Sam's jean pants. I walked in the other day, and he was wearing swimming trunks. In the middle of the day, inside. I said, Dad, you've lost it. It's time for you to move to Florida. Give me the church. Take your rest now. My dad wasn't looking for me to think he was cool. My dad was looking for me to love God and to know how to love God. The Apostle Paul wants a Pharisee himself, a religious phony fraud. Then he finds Jesus on the road to Damascus, and now he's responsible for over half of the New Testament. He writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. This is the only time in Scripture it appears to be imitators of God. We must imitate God. To imitate God is to love like God. To love like God is to have a sacrificial love. What's that look like, Micah? I'm glad you asked. Jesus continues his conversation with the Pharisee in Matthew. He says, the second greatest commandment is like the first. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and prophets. God's desire is for the family to teach how to love others. Micah, the Bible's hard to read. It's long. It's hard. It's old. I'm confused. I get that. Keep looking. Keep working through the Bible. But Jesus is basically saying, love God with all you have and love others. You don't have to have a seminary degree to understand that. You don't have to have a concordance and, and, and parse verbs and understand the Greek and the Hebrew to love God with every ounce of who we are and love others. Actually, break it down, it's pretty simple. That is the launch code. Now we're talking. 
families, we are to love God, and now we are to love others. We are to love God, love like Him, and teach our children to do the same. You want a home that lasts and lifts off? Love like Him. You want a marriage that will last and lift off? Love like Him. You want children that will stick around in church? And it will blast off and lift off. Love like him. If you wait for the government to write a policy to help your family love God, you're going to be waiting for a very long time. Blame President Trump if you want because you blame President Obama before and you'll blame the next guy. It is our family's responsibility, church. It is our families that must. Families. Faith promise without families is Chick-fil-A without the sandwich. It's just a building. It's just a building. You leave today, it's floor and, sh and chairs. It's lights and screens. Families make up the church. Families are the tip of the spear. Families are the missile, are the mission for reconciliation for our communities and our brokenness. This, ch this world, this community, this culture, too often our church families point and look at what's wrong with them instead of going and fixing it. Why do they act that way? They're lost. Why do they talk that way? They don't know the love of God. Why do they look that way? Why do they believe that? They don't know. Families, it is our responsibility to love God, love like him, and teach our children to do the same. Michael, what does this look like? I agree with you practically. That our families are launch pad. We should love God and now love others. How? You're asking great questions, people. It's a forgiving love. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. We must forgive. Now let me pause. This does not extend to abusive relationships. If you are in an emotionally or physically abusive relationship, we, we pay two full-time counselors. Please call our office or put on the communication card. We'd love to walk with you through that. Please do not stay in abusive relationships. But for matters of true mistakes... And oftentimes, we make mistakes, and they're towards our family. Most of the worst things that I've done are towards my wife. Worst thoughts. Some of this, unfortunately, we make mistakes, but we must forgive. You may have Jesus in your heart, but you've got family in your blood. And our blood's got sin in it. So forgive. Forgive, no matter what they've done, what they say. I'll never forgive them. I can't believe they said that. Forgive. Also, this love is a giving love. Giving of ourselves. Parents, this isn't giving your children more stuff so they'll learn how to love God. iPhones and iPads aren't going to teach your family to love God. And there's times to work hard, work overtime, be successful. But there are also times to be home, to be intentional, to have dinner, to hug, and to kiss, and to pray. Learning how to love God and others comes from long walks and long talks. If you don't have, if you don't have kids, you may be being called to parent someone in FP students or FP kids. Just talk to our kids staff or our student staff about the loneliness in our student ministry. The brokenness, the divorce, the abuse, the neglect. If you don't have kids or you do and you have some love left over, we are called to give of ourselves. Find our student ministry in the lobby or our kids ministry. Find staff and be a part of a giving love. Give of ourselves. Lastly is a living love. This, I believe, is the most important. You and I individually must be living a love with God. Hundreds of promisers in January committed to getting on the new rivers and new roads that God had for each of us. 
We all have a next step to take. We must be spending time every day with God. Every day. If you come to church every week, which we know you don't, we have the numbers. If you did every week, there'd be 52 hours in a year. That's not enough God. If you went to church, small group, every week, we know you don't. It's still not enough God. We must daily. He says, give us our daily bread. God is enough for you daily. It's not just to get out of jail free cart. It's a daily bread that we eat from. So it gives us energy, fuel, and compassion to live and love and serve others. If you're having a hard time loving people that aren't like you, it's because you prayed a prayer once, you signed the communication card, and you went back to living how you live. If you have a problem loving others because you're not spending time with the one that loves everyone. It's hard to be negative around a really positive person. It's just hard. If you spend time with the greatest lover of all time, the creator of the universe that loves you and me with everything he has, it's easier to love others. It's a living love, church. You can clap. It's okay, church. But some of us in this room have never experienced the real love of Jesus. Some of us in this room... Your story is broken. The pages of your story are tattered, burnt, and torn. You say, Micah, you don't know what I've done. I've done too much. God can't love me. There is some truth to that statement. I don't know what you've done. But what is so much more true is that God loves you anyway. He loves you anyway. I don't deserve to be holding this microphone, church, if you only knew. Yes, I'm funny sometimes, but if you knew... I don't deserve to be up here, but through him, I'm now enough. With him, you will be made whole. It says in Romans, while we were yet sinners, he died for you. So not only does he know what you did, while you were doing it, he died for you. While you were sinning, while you were cheating, while you were hiding, while you were running, while you were using, while you were abusing, while you were crying, why you were broken, why you were kneeling, why you were hiding. He ran after you and he died for you anyway, church. He's enough for you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. He is all that your family requires. I don't care what your family's done to this point. He's enough to move you in a different direction, to ignite and lift you off and change your family's history. I don't care what your family tree says. I don't care what the generational curses may say. I don't care how much divorce you've seen. I don't care how much using you've done. Today is the day of redemption, of reconciliation, of new hope and new life and new love. Church, if you'll just accept it, he's waiting on you. Our community needs Faith Promise families. Strong Faith Promise families is a strong Tennessee. John F. Kennedy says, we don't do these things because they're easy. We do them because they're hard. Loving God with all you have and loving others is hard. If right now you feel it, you're looking at me right now. I see it. There are people that need to accept Jesus for the very first time. You feel it in your bones. You feel
feel it in the depths of who you are right now in this moment. We're going to pray a prayer together called the sinner's prayer. And if you will believe these and mean these words, your life will be forever changed. So every head bowed and every eye closed. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together. We say, Jesus, say, Jesus, I've made mistakes. I've fallen. I'm broken. I confess. I believe you are enough. I know you are enough. You have forgiven me. I accept that forgiveness. I will live for you from this day to my last day. Amen. Church, let's celebrate with families that are new today. New today. We have a new day, a new hope, a new love. Please run out of this room this weekend and start changing your family. Start seeing your family, your children differently. Your children are the hope. Your children are the future church leaders. Your children are the future teachers. Your children, the next generation, we must ignite and lift them off. FP students cannot do it alone. FP kids cannot do it alone. The world is waiting, church. The world is waiting for a strong family. The world doesn't hate the church because we love Jesus. They hate the church because we say we do and we don't act like it. Let's start being Jesus. Faith promised we don't have enough seats to hold the people that are waiting for us to love them. We don't have enough buildings. We don't have enough group families to hold the people that are broken and waiting for a faith promised family to reach and see them. See them for who they are, what they've done, where they've been to extend a hand anyway. God extended his hand so many years ago and sent his son freely and willingly and gave of himself, gave of his flesh, because God is generous. And if we're going to imitate him, we must be generous. We're going to move into a time of generosity. This is some family business. You ever been to a family dinner? You just came to eat and they start talking about stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable? A little family business? I just came to get some chicken. If that's you today, it's okay. Hang out for just a second. We got some family business. If you're a Christ follower and you call Faith Promise home, it's time to be generous. No matter where you give online or here physically. But your next step, maybe your next step is just giving one time. Just see how it is. See if the building falls down. Just give. Some people, it's tithing for the very first time, 10%, putting God in your budget. For some of us, the next step is praying with your family what he'll have you do in generosity coming in the fall. My family, we give over and beyond 10%, not because it makes me a better Christian, not because I get a better space in heaven, because I truly, Micah, me, I have an issue with money. And if I don't give over and beyond, money will rule my house instead of God. I'm just being true. I have an issue. I want to build a kingdom here on earth from time to time. And I give generously so I can tell my flesh, it ain't your money, Micah. It ain't yours. God, you can have it all. Take it all if, it's gonna, if that's what it takes. I'm not living under money. I'm not doing it. And parents, when you give generously, you show your kids that giving is important. Teach your families we should love God, love like Him, and teach our kids to do the same. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to give generously. God, we love you so very much. Give us a heart of courage that if we give, the math just doesn't add up. We won't have enough money for the end of the month. We give anyway. We're afraid we won't save enough for college. We give anyway. Give us a spirit 
of generosity. Because you gave, we will now give. We love you, God. Amen. Let's give generously to the one who deserves it.